welcome to New Zealand Sporting History. That's our great Marama Tipole. Time for New Zealand Sporting History. We're talking to one of the greats in motorcycle racing today. Keith Turner was 21 when he went over for his first European season. He slept in his tent in snow and ice, and he was well known for being a team of one. He was his own mechanic, fixing all the faults that bikes threw up in those days. He was there when Russia invaded Czechoslovakia. He reckons he was more known in Germany than back home in New Zealand, but he got to second in the world in 1971, which is really incredible. When you think of the uh, talent and also the money he was up against. Joining us to tell us all about it today is Keith Turner. Hi, Keith. Yeah, hi, Jesse. Hey, thanks so much now, for your time today. You go on. Yeah, okay. Where do we start? <laughs> I start when I yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just throw some questions your way and you answer them in your own way. And, yeah, that was going to be my first question, actually. Uh, the first time you rode a motorbike. Yeah, that was when I was 15 in uh, 1961. I uh, went and bought a 500cc matchless, which is an old British bike. £50 I paid for it. Never ridden a bike before in my life. Yeah. So I jumped on it. Bloke pushed me down the road and I was away. That's the first time I'd uh, ridden a bike. I don't know much about motorbikes, but it seems to me that a 500cc bike would be a pretty Pretty powerful vehicle for a 15-year-old trying for the first time. Uh, yes, because these days, uh, you know, 15-year-old would only be allowed a 250cc. Yeah. 500 is uh, not allowed. You enjoyed it, though? Oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, when I got my uh, learner's license and then I went to a – in those days, they had uh, sort of riding schools – you could go to, so you could get your full license within three months. Yeah, so those days, eh? Yeah, incredible. Um, by the way, fifty pounds too. That sounds like it would have been quite a bit of money back then. It was for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you earn the money to pay for the bike? Oh, working in the school holidays, I I was living in Wellington then, and I was working down the uh, the wharf in the holidays, uh, loading. Uh, carriages of butter to to be exported. Gosh, hard work, right? It was eh? pretty heavy. It was heavy work, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then what about the pathway to actually racing these bikes? Well, I got my job as a, an apprentice mechanic. When I left school just as I was 16, got a job as a mechanic. Uh, where I worked, the uh, head, uh, well, the foreman, his... Uh, Uncle was the uh, one of the top speedway riders, and uh, he uh, got me to go go racing. I was getting a few speeding tickets at the time, <laughs> and that was getting a bit expensive. Yeah. So uh, I uh, bought myself another road bike, which was a Norton 500 SS. The SS stands for Super Sport, mm-hmm. and converted that to a race bike. Were you spending all your money on bikes and speeding tickets? Yeah, probably more on speeding tickets than bikes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that Norton could go, could it? It could go. Yeah, it didn't handle too well because uh, I fell off it a few times, which has uh, bent the thing a bit, and uh, 
obviously the bent didn't handle the best. But uh, I ended up winning, winning quite a few races on it. And uh, then my father bought me a proper racing bike after that. Gosh. What was it about you, do you think, that was um, was bringing you success as a racer? Was it the courage, uh, the skill, luck? Mm, probably courage. It's probably my, my outlook was uh, if you didn't crash very often, you weren't going to win. So uh, <laughs> normally... Uh, <laughs> so tell that, tell that one to me again. Well, you had, you had to crash to win. Because if you weren't crashing, Every, you weren't taking enough risks. That's right, yeah. Yeah. On the limit most of the time. Gosh. It's a it's I can see the, the logic of that, but um it's a bit scary. Yeah, I did get a few broken bones and grazes, gravel rash. Hmm. Do you have any major accidents? Uh not really. I mean a couple of weeks in hospital, but not really. Uh, yeah, I Fell off at, uh, you know, well, in the future, you know, I fell off the Isle of Man at uh, 200k into a brick wall. Gosh. So and we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here. So you left New Zealand at some point and thought, I'm going to take this bike overseas and see how I do against the rest of the world. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I had it. Well, the other bike that uh, my father bought me was a Bultaco. It's a smaller bike, a 250cc, which is uh, Spanish. And I I had that in New Zealand. I won the New Zealand 250TT on it. And I was winning most of the races, so I thought well, I'd go overseas. But uh, I couldn't take the bikes I had because they wouldn't be competitive right. over in Europe. Yeah. So so uh, we, I got married and uh, flew to England the next day, the wife. And... Uh, Got to England, bought myself a couple of bikes. Well, actually, I paid cash for one. Then I had to get the other one on high purchase. But uh, I arrived in uh, England in February. February of what year? That was 1967. Uh And you were, I mean, officially you were the New Zealand team um, racing in the Isle of Man for that one, eh? That's right. There was three of us, and I was one of the three. Yeah. Was that lucrative uh, being picked for the New Zealand team? No, you didn't get any money. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Just the privilege of racing at the Isle of Man. Yeah. And so that was the honeymoon for you and the wife, was it? Uh, heading to England for you to race motorbikes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sleeping in a tent. Gosh. And that was just because, uh, presumably, you were spending all the money you had on, on the bike so you could compete. What's it like being over there on the other side of the world? It was very hard, especially well, as soon as I got to uh, England. I, I got myself a job as a mechanic in London. Uh, I needed the money you know, to go to the Isle of Man. So before you know, we arrived in England in, in February, the the first meeting, race meeting I actually went to was in a place called Carlisle, which is in uh, northern England. That's uh, arrived there, put the tent up, got my sleep, got the sleeping bags out. Woke up in the morning, we were freezing cold, oh. and the whole place was covered in, covered in snow. Oh, because you, you said this is February, right? It was just about the coldest time yeah. to be in northern England. 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, but it was the start of the race season. Basically, it was the first meeting of the season. And, and uh, I wanted to get a few races in before the Isle of Man. Once you started racing, were you competitive? Uh, I was competitive, yeah. On, on, those, on those short circuits, I was. Uh, from there, I went, as I say, I went to the Isle of Man. And uh, you, there's a system of getting, you get awards, you get a silver medal, a silver statue, uh, a, a bronze. So, and they work it out on the percentage of the time of the winner. So, down to say 25th, there was usually about 70 or 80 starters. So, the first 24, the 25 would get a silver replica, and the rest, the next 20 would get a bronze. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, well, I ended up getting 23rd, I think it was, with a silver replica. But, uh, I mean, there's no way you could win the race because you had the top works riders with bikes. About thirty mile an hour quicker than you. Oh are. gosh! Hmm. And, and I, I, I suspect they were a bit better supported than you. They would have had a bigger team than just a wife and a tent. Yeah, they would have a probably a Maserati or a Lamborghini, half a dozen mechanics, a couple of bikes, stay in a flash hotel. Yeah. So it does make it a bit easier for them. But you obviously saw enough potential that you you stuck with it? Yeah, well, I thought, you know, a lot of uh, Kiwis would go over there and, say, do one or two seasons and uh, go back, you know, call it quits. But I thought, if I want to try and get somewhere, I've got to stay. And uh, so what I did is, you know, during the winter, I was working as a mechanic in London. And then during the uh, summer, we'd tour around Europe to start with, all I had is a van and a tent. Then, I, as I progressed, I'd have a van and a caravan, <laughs> and and hopefully a faster bike. And hopefully a faster bike. Yeah, well, I did. Uh, in 1968, I bought a a bike. It was called uh, Linto, which there was only six made. Uh, not many people would have heard of it. It was an Italian bike. 500 cc and it was very fast nearly as fast as the uh, the works bikes there was only, as i said there was only six made i got one the first race meeting i went to with it was at le mans and uh, i won there oh yeah how exciting it, it was exciting it was exciting because the uh the movie le mans was being fil- being filmed there at the same time so, was, so that's France. So, so now you've done England and you've done France, and it, what Eastern Europe was beckoning. Well, no, yeah, it was. But, uh, but from that meeting in in France, I went to uh, Belgium, and I won there on that same bike. And uh, after that, the bike broke down all the time. Mm. And so, yes, and you know, didn't have a team of mechanics; you just had yourself. No, well, the problem with this bike, it had a fault where it used to uh, break the crankshaft gears. And all of them did it, apart from the, uh, they had a works rider. Their, his bike never broke down, but we found out afterwards that uh, the gears in his bike were made in Germany, uh-huh. not Italy. 
Um, tell me about, I mean, you know, it's exotic enough heading to those countries as a New Zealander in 2023, but it must have felt like another world in the late 60s. Well, it was, especially when we, you know, I went into East Germany where you had to have a, well, normally you couldn't get in, you had to have a special sports visa. Yeah. And and to get in there was a big hassle. You'd have to, they'd spend about three or four hours checking through your caravan, your van, for, you know, any contraband, or even a, a Western calendar was contraband, or a, or a Western newspaper. Really? And uh, you really, yeah. And they'd, they'd tell everybody Coca-Cola was the Western drug. So you weren't allowed that. <laughs> but you also and, had the uh, excitement, I'm sure, of seeing some parts of the world that most New Zealanders would never get to see. That's right. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it was exciting going into a place like that. Uh, you know, the, on the autobahns there, the, where it was bombed out during the war, the, um, they'd only rebuild one, one half of the autobahn, so it's down to a one-way bridge didn't make a lot of difference because there wasn't much traffic on the road anyway. Yeah. Tell me you about, know, when you uh, bought... by the way, if you've just tuned in, I'm talking to Keith Turner, one of our most successful motorcycle racers, um, and we're talking about his first European season. Keith was 21. It was 1968. And what was going on in Czechoslovakia, Keith? Yeah, well, we I'm, I had a race meeting there, but I had a sort of a week off. So we decided to go into Czechoslovakia a week earlier than the race meeting was due. We were in a hotel and uh, all night I heard these planes flying over. I got up in the morning and the hotel was surrounded by tanks. What? And, uh, yeah, and the, uh, there was a German guest running around panicking that they were going to take his Mercedes. And uh, anyway, I, I you know I crept up through the through the bushes taking photos of the tanks and uh, later on I went into the town where we were there's a little town uh, called Yitchin uh, in the town there was young people sort of my age at the time throwing rocks at the tanks so I thought I'd join them throwing rocks at the tanks it was a bit of a stupid thing to do because uh, the, the uh, Russians pulled out the guns and uh, luckily I didn't get shot. But uh, that night I was vomiting up, I think, when I got back to the hotel from the shock. Anyway, yeah. the race meeting. It's a, was... bit, it's a bit cool, Keith, when uh, you're in a country as a foreigner that gets invaded by Russia to go out and start throwing rocks at the tanks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, when we when we left, we you know, we couldn't get out for two weeks because they closed the border. So uh, when the border was open, that was between uh, Czechoslovakia and uh, West Germany. Just before the border, a couple of days before, the Russians had a couple of tanks across the uh, road, blocking the road. And they stopped us and asked for a passport. And I said, no, no, it's, the border's up the road. So he had a machine gun with a bayonet on the end and he put the bayonet in the, in the cheek. So obviously I gave him the passport. <laughs> yeah. Lucky you didn't find out you've been throwing rocks at his tanks. Um, yeah, this is quite yeah. an adventure for someone who just went over to race motorcycles. Yes, well, you know, the world's a mess now, and it was a mess then as well. Yeah. Were your um, family back here in New Zealand worried about you? I suppose they had no idea what was going on. 
Yeah, they were, because it was on the front page of the uh, books, but, well, the Napier paper that uh, we were in, stuck in Chicago, the back here. Yeah. There was headlines on the front page, yeah. So, a successful trip to the Northern Hemisphere, and then at some stage, I'm sure you came back home to tell a few of these stories. Yeah, well, I came back in 1970. The main reason I came back, actually, wasn't for the bikes, it's because my son uh, was born in, in England and he was 18 months old. Oh. And well, I thought I'd take him back to the, see the grandparents. We both couldn't afford to go back. And I thought, well, I'll go back and take a bike back with me. Um, so at 18 months old, he came back. Actually, I remember on the plane flying back, I was asleep. It was a night on the plane and he had disappeared and called up the... Uh, <laughs> Up the plane, I was panicking, trying to find him. <laughs> oh, well, I suppose he couldn't escape. No, he couldn't escape. No, I don't think he could get out the window. No. But, yeah, I came back and uh, I brought a 250cc Yamaha back with me. And I think what t- I arrived back and sort of things have changed a lot in the motorcycling world since I've been away. You know, bikes were a much bigger thing. And uh, Suzuki's well, the big thing in the racing uh, game here in New Zealand. And uh, I arrived back and raced at Wanganui around the cemetery circuit. I went out there with my 250 Yamaha, uh, Coleman's Suzuki. They were the New Zealand importers for Suzuki. They had had their three top riders on the Suzuki's. And uh, basically, I went out there and beat them. Gosh. Keith, let me pause you for a moment there. I'm just going to share with our um, listeners who have been uh, – you stay there, Keith um, – have uh, been keeping up with the story out of the US. Several US media outlets are now reporting as many as 22 people are dead in the town of Lewiston, Maine. The shooter appears to be still on the loose. The NBC News uh, says that Lewiston police sources have told it that 22 people have been killed and Fox News has reported that figure too. So um, dozens of people also wounded, according to NBC, including in a bowling alley. Um, we uh, will keep our eye on that situation. Uh, some very sad news, shocking news coming out of the US at the moment. You can keep up to date with the latest on our website, rnz.co.nz, and we'll have uh, an update in the 3pm news or, in fact, when new... Um, uh, when any news comes through. Keith Turner is my guest on Sporting History today, and Keith, uh, that must have actually felt pretty good to be suddenly the one who's, presumably you are now 30 miles faster than uh, the other guys on the track back here in New Zealand. Well, I, I, was, I wouldn't say 30 miles, but uh, they didn't expect me, I don't think, to uh, come back and do what I did. And, uh, yeah, after the Wanganui races on Boxing Day, there was the meeting at Levin, uh, where I won the, you know, the three races there. So after me uh, winning, you know, cleaning up the Suzuki's, Coleman's uh, offered me a Suzuki to take back to Europe. Huh. Who's who's Rod Coleman? Rod Coleman. They were the uh, New Zealand... Importers for Suzuki. Oh, yeah, okay. Motorcycle. They're based in Wanganui. Yeah, and they could see the potential in you, eh? That's right, yeah. Yeah, they hired the Levin race, you know, they offered me the bike, hired the Levin racetrack for me to uh, test the bike and see how I went. 
but I crashed anyway while testing it. <laughs> Again. Um, Again. Well, they told me to go faster and faster, and I went faster and faster, so I crashed. And uh, ended up in the Levin Hospital, which was mater- they had to take me down to the Levin Hospital, but that was a maternity hospital. <laughs> um, did you used to fear crashing, or was it one of those things that you put out of your mind? Uh, I put out of my mind, really. At that age, you know, I think as I got a bit older, I did start to think a bit more about it. Um, but, uh, and you've got a what you've got a son as well, hey? Yeah, but what the problem was that uh, when they offered me the uh, bike, they wanted me to race in Australia at Bathurst, the Australian Grand Prix, on the way back to and race in Singapore and Malaysia on the way back to England. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, well, I couldn't take my son back with me, huh. and of course. I arrived back in England. The wife was waiting to see me and her son, and he wasn't there, so I wasn't very popular. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a different time! Yes, because I don't expect they put on childcare for drivers back in those days. No, they didn't know. How did your son eventually get back to you? He got back, and the parents organised uh, him to fly back by himself. But, you know, they had to pay for an air hostess to accompany him mm. back to England. Were you making any money yet? Not really. Uh, I did make a little bit back in 71 because 71 was the year I got second in the World Championship. Oh, yeah, we better talk season. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well. Did you believe I, that you could do it heading into those World Champs in 71? I thought I could because I knew how you know the good the bike was. The actual the bike, though it was a Suzuki, it was actually made in New Zealand. The uh, the frame was actually made in New Zealand by a bloke in Wanganui called Steve Roberts. Mm. He he made the frame, uh, sort of a copy of a Suzuki factory frame, and the engine in the bike uh, that was actually a, a road engine which was made up to racing specifications by. Uh, Dick Lawton at uh, Lawton and Boyle Motorcycles in uh, Wellington. But uh, so you thought you had a pretty good off. machine, yeah. And, and what do you need to yeah. do to uh, to get the world title? Well, it's a points a series of, of races uh, throughout Europe, which is basically the same as it is now. Uh, the circuits are a lot different. Back in my day, they a lot more. You know, they were a lot more dangerous because you didn't have all the protection. Uh, and a lot of them weren't proper circuits. You know, some of them would go through a, a town. The one in East Germany, you'd go through a town and cobblestone roads racing your racing bike. But uh, the meeting in that same place now, same city now near near Dresden, uh, it's a proper circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it's it's a points. Uh, thing is it you you do a, a bunch of races and the one with the most points takes a title. That's right. Yeah, yeah. over a series. I think it was about ten races. It started in Austria in Salzburg, where I got second, and then it went on to uh, West Germany and uh, Hockenheim, where I was lying second but uh, crashed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But over the series, uh, including the Isle of Man. A uh, number of points 
uh, I ended up getting uh, second in the World Championship. I mean, another exciting meeting was uh, the Irish Grand Prix in Northern, Ar- in Northern Ireland. Belfast. In Belfast. Yeah. Belfast, yeah. In 71, that's when the IRA were at their height. And so sort of I arrived there. He had gun, gunfire and uh, flames around the place, and I asked how to get to the circuit. And the Irishman said to me, you know, you go down here, turn left, then right, and then go like hell. And I said, why? He said, well, you're likely to get shot down there. Really? I went down there, went, yeah, went like hell, and there was a double-decker bus on fire. So that was another thrilling episode. Did you hear any gunshots? Oh yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I got caught up and caught, yeah, got caught up in quite a few exciting uh, episodes. Yeah, again, it's just it's it's a guy who's riding motorcycles, but actually uh, getting a front row seat of uh, some of the world's biggest conflicts through the sixties and seventies. Yeah, I think I also uh, I got caught up in the uh, there's Paris student riots too. Yeah. So, gosh. So you got second that year in 1971. How how was that? Well, you know, it was a fantastic achievement, which the winner was Giacomo Agostini, Italian, and the bike he had, he he won about, he won 12 world championships, but one of the reasons is that his bike was so superior to everybody else's. I mean, the only time I got near him was in the Swedish Grand Prix, where it was right pouring in rain. And the advantage of, you know, the, the extra power didn't make so much difference. So I was actually right behind him and uh, his mechanics were putting boards out, telling him that uh, I was catching him. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, in the wet, but that was the only time I really had a good chance of uh, beating him. In a just world, Keith, you'd go on for the next 10 years and get more, even more placings. But sadly, another crash in <laughs> 1972, eh? and that was it for you. Yeah, I'd had enough because, you know, living out of a suitcase and the bike I had in 72, it was another Suzuki, which I, because I came back to New Zealand at the end of uh, 71 and went back again. But the bike that I had that time wasn't nearly as good as the first bike. And uh, then in the Isle of Man, I had to, uh, I was racing a Norton in the production races and uh, it was a new Norton from the factory, I think I was third fastest in practice. On the first lap, I arrived in the cor- corner at about 200k and it had a five-speed gearbox changed down to fourth, but it hit a false neutral. Oh gosh! So uh, I clipped. I arrived at the corner at 200k in neutral, clipped a hedge on one side, then into a brick wall on the other. It uh, totally wrote off the bike, which once again belonged to uh, Rod Coleman. He wasn't very happy, and uh, luckily all I did was uh, I smashed my helmet and cut me a few stitches in my uh, face and uh, did my ankle in. Apart from that, I was uh, covered in bruises. What was your nickname? Uh, Rubber Bones. (laughs) (laughs) That won't surprise anyone listening. Hey, we're out of time. Keith, thanks for telling us all about it.